0: In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. In our liturgical calendar, Trinity Sunday always follows the day of Pentecost. It's as if our early spiritual ancestors felt they needed to do something to contain that wild Holy Spirit which poured out only one week before But there's more to the Trinity and there's more to how it affects our lives than we know. And so every year, I truly welcome the opportunity to sink into this um, reality, this relationship, not the doctrine, but to see how the life of God shapes our lives in the world. And so in that process, I'd like to keep it simple today. I'd like to answer three main questions how do Christians understand the life of God? That may seem obvious, but it is not. In an elevator, you need to be able to say in 15 seconds or less what the Trinity means. I'm gonna help you with that today. Second, we're gonna answer the question, how is our commitment to the Christian understanding of God reflected in two of the primary sacraments of our church? You've already begun to hear the resonances of the Trinity in the service so far, and I want to pull those out. I want to make them explicit so you understand the way that the church is actually actually rewiring us, that it is setting our patterns for life in the world. We're on purpose about that. And number three, how might the Christian understanding of God impact our life in the world? If Trinity Sunday doesn't make any difference in how we live our lives, then it doesn't matter. So first, how do Christians understand the life of God? In the ancient language of Judaism and early Christianity, we say that the Father pours out the Father's life on behalf of the Son. The Son receives the Father's life in gratitude and returns it to the Father for blessing and the Holy Spirit is that outpouring of the relationship between Father and Son, eternal, abundant, never-ending. There is full and complete life of love within God. Now, I understand that the language of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a problem for some, but every solution to that problem creates a new problem. For example, we can refer to God as creator, redeemer, and sanctifier, which is true, but it removes the relational aspect of God and reduces God to a series of functions. So choose your problem. You don't have to just do it one way, but know that in trying to fix one thing, you may be breaking another. So in my sermon today, I will use the terms Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not because they are exhaustive, not because they are sufficient to capture the mystery and grandeur of God, but because they link us to our ancient roots, they resonate with words and images in the Bible, and they prioritize the relational being of God. So if you'll grant me that, we'll continue. Numerous Bible passages point to the triune God without calling it the doctrine of the Trinity. You won't find that in any passage. The doctrine was a later development. But here are some examples of places in the Bible where it seems that the writers are pointing to a dynamic life of God. We had three of them today and one other that I'll share. So in the creation story from Genesis, we find creator God, word of God, spirit of God, brooding over the primordial waters. One God, three persons. In today's Old Testament from Proverbs, the Holy Spirit is personified as Lady Wisdom, whom God sends to God's people for guidance, strength, and protection. In today's letter to the Romans, Paul says that we have peace with God through the love of Christ as revealed by the Holy Spirit. And in the Gospel of John for today, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come, declare the things of God, and reveal, reveal the fullness of God in Christ's self. Do you see that mutual indwelling, um, f- giving one to another that seems to be suggested in many of our biblical passages? This suggests a life of love within God. And creation is simply the outpouring of of that love. We are expressions of God's love, although you'd never know it by looking around you. So two, how do Christians understand the life of God and how is it reflected in the liturgies of the church? First, consider Holy Communion. We do it every week in the Episcopal Church. In the first part of the service, we listen to Holy Scripture, we recite the creed, we offer the prayers, and we pass the peace. That is getting ready. And then it's the liturgy of the table. When the gifts of God are presented at the altar, the community gives thanks for the gifts, returns them to God for blessing, and then the consecrated gifts are shared with the gathered community so they can go out into the world in God's name and be light. We celebrate communion week after week, not because it didn't work the first time, but because we are instilling in ourselves and our community a holy and ancient pattern found, I believe, at the center of God's life. The giving, the receiving, and the blessing of gifts. If I had to do my elevator speech, that's what I would say about the Holy Trinity. It is the giving, receiving, and blessing of gifts. Catherine Tanner, a theologian at Yale Divinity School, suggests that gift giving lies at the center of God's life. When we deepen our life in God, we grow in our ability to give and receive gifts and bless one another. Our God is a generous God, and if we follow God, we are generous people. Another sacrament of the church which reflects this understanding is holy baptism. You know this rite of initiation. You know the words well, but maybe you've never thought about it. In baptism, we affirm who God is in question and answer format based on the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Those are not accidental questions. And in fact, there's nothing in our liturgies that are accidental. In this context, the word believe, you know, do you believe in God and the Father? This word believe has more to do with trust than intellectual understanding. The questions could just as easily be asked this way. Do you put your trust in God the Father? Do you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you put your trust in God the Holy Spirit? You see how that works? We are leaning in in trust to God. It is not an intellectual only proposition. And so if we say we trust in these persons of God, then even if we don't understand every part of the creed, even if a part of it makes us struggle, we can still affirm our trust in the God who made us, who redeemed us, and who empowers us for ministry. Then in baptism, we acknowledge the Holy Spirit over the water the body of Christ to whom we are about to be united, and the blessing of God upon the water, primordial, ancient images of the triune God. And then, of course, at the time of baptism, we use the words, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. That is what constitutes Christian baptism, and we do not swerve from that formula. So as we can see from the services of communion and baptism, the Christian understanding of God is woven into every aspect of our common life. And the sacraments not only reveal God, they create God within us. As I said before, we are being rewired, repatterned to live as God lives and not as our fallen nature would have us live. So finally, let's explore what difference Trinity Sunday makes in how we live. I'll highlight what being rooted in the divine life looks like, and you may recognize it in yourselves or in others you know. When we're rooted in the divine life, our actions begin and end in love. If our actions are not grounded in love, they do not point to God. When we're rooted in the divine life, we are aware of God's gifts, we give thanks for those gifts, and we ask God's blessing upon those gifts upon our food before we eat it, upon our relationships and our marriages, upon our homes and upon our country, that requesting God's blessing is a fundamental quality of life in God. And we need to do that. We need to recognize gift. We need to give thanks for gift. And then we need to return it to God for blessing. That is what creates the cycle of divine life. When we're rooted in the divine life, there's an outpouring of God's blessing in ways we never expected. Someone with financial means may make a major gift to the church. Someone who is ostracized from the life of the community may find themselves welcomed back in. Conflicts which seemed intractable may resolve with surprising mercy and grace. Whenever God's blessing pours out in extravagant ways, we know that the Holy Spirit is at work because this is God's work, not ours. We can't get there on our own. When we're rooted in the divine life, we experience forgiveness and reconciliation. We are human beings. We are not God. And so although God fills us in baptism, God fills us in communion, through our prayers and practice, we seek to grow into the likeness of God, we are human. God knows that. We're not able to love as God loves. Just look around you at the world today. Look at the myriad signs of sin, resistance, and rebellion to the things of God. We are not pouring ourselves out in love to one another. We are not grateful for the gifts we receive. We are not asking for God's blessing in difficult situations, because if we're honest, we don't believe it'll make a difference. We're not trusting the guidance of the Holy Spirit because we're afraid we'll have to get up, give up attitudes and behaviors that no longer serve us. The Christian life, I suggest, is about bringing our sin, our resistance, and our rebellion to the altar of God and asking God to bless even our weakness, to restore us to sanity, to make us human as God intended us to be human. And God is faithful. God will transform our darkest impulses into opportunities for light, I promise you. For Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus knows how to minister to our sin-sick souls if we will let him. So when we're rooted in the divine life, we're not afraid to say help or sorry. Two words we must know as Christians. Help, sorry. God loves us more than we can imagine and uses our weakness to reveal his strength. So this morning we've explored the Christian understanding of God. We've considered how that understanding is reflected in the liturgies of the church and we've reflected on how the triune God can impact our daily life. In the past few weeks, I've begun to watch the new series about Jesus' life called The Chosen. Some of you may have heard about it or seen it. It's available on many streaming platforms. The first season is free. I'm not mentioning it because I think it's the best show ever made. I'm mentioning it because of how God is depicted in the life of Mary Magdalene. And I've only watched three episodes and it centers around her life. The series begins with Mary as a child being taught Torah by her father. She is basking in his loving embrace. Fast forward, Mary experiences a trauma that fragments her mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. What they would've called at that time, demon possession, which we can understand as being fragmented. And at one point, she's near to ending her life and a bird flutters repeatedly overhead, capturing her attention and leading her to a local bar where she plans to drink enough alcohol to bury her pain. As she leaves the bar, she hears someone call her name from childhood, a name she hasn't used for decades, Mary. And she turns and encounters Christ. The man seems to know her, and in the ensuing scene, he heals her of her fragmentation. He casts out her demons. As I reflected on these opening episodes, I was struck by the images of the Trinity that were just quietly woven in. The love of the Father poured out to the daughter, the bird which led Mary away from danger, and Jesus who called her by her true name and healed her. That's the Trinity. I invite you to consider ways that God is coming to you in God's person in your own life. When have you experienced overwhelming love and safety? When have you been guided to a better outcome? When have you been called by your true name and set free from what binds you? God is alive. God is alive in the world today. God is alive in our lives today. We are filled with God's glory. We must let our light shine in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.